far. You're up and at it, going strong. It's interesting that in the last eight minutes or so, you've experienced a lot of different emotions. We go from a guy trying to mow his yard and about to lose his mind. How many of you understand that? You've been there. How many of you have a lawnmower like that? Yes, yes. Beelzebub is the name of a lawnmower like that. Sometimes real life puts us in situations where it's so stressful and it's so difficult and we, quote, lose it. Then a few minutes later, often we are experiencing what we just experienced because of the extravagant love of God. We have this place that's so peaceful and so restful and so quiet that you could just wish no one was on your row and you could just lay down and take a nap. It's just amazing what our minds are able to comprehend. I, I started a series last week for three weeks. I talked about, last week I talked about brokenness of spirit and what it actually means to be someone who, who gets to the place where you want to just give up. That's brokenness of spirit. And today I want to talk to you about brokenness of mind. What happens in our lives when our mind is broken? Now, I know that's maybe not the best choice of words because we don't think of our, our mind as something you can go, snap, it's broken now, get the cast out. But I'm talking about our thinking. What happens when our thinking is not the kind of thinking that God wants us to have? Have you ever had that problem? Anyone besides me? Okay, good. The rest of you are liars and you have a broken mind. Okay, <laughs> so today we're going to just kind of talk a little bit about what it means to be in this situation. Now, I can illustrate it best, probably with this donut right over here. Someone says to you, would you like a donut or would you like dessert, whatever, something? Let's say you're trying not to eat sweets for a while. Okay, would you like a donut? Oh, I really shouldn't. How about a bite of a brownie? Oh, I really better not. What is that? What is that when you say, I really shouldn't, but then you do? What is that when you say, oh, I really shouldn't be here in this kind of an environment, but since I am, I really shouldn't say this, but have you heard? <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. It's, it's an interesting thing that happens in our lives when we have these moments where we sort of have this understanding of a truth line, but we bend it. For whatever reason. We make a decision, but it's not really a decision yet. Could you make a decision right now in this room, in the next ten seconds, that you're not going to have lunch today? Are you capable, let's say, is it possible for you to make a decision now that you wouldn't have lunch today? Well, yeah, it is. Okay, this is not a trick question. Some of you are like, he's leading up to something here. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> 
you could decide and then it wouldn't be an issue at lunch whether you ate or not because you wouldn't have to decide again. What would happen if you said, I'm not going to eat lunch today, then lunchtime comes and you're hungry and you eat lunch. Did you actually decide right here that you weren't going to eat lunch or did you just think about deciding? Yeah. You don't know if you've really decided until after the fact. If I really decide... That means that the options are gone. I've made a decision. It's over. And that is an interesting concept for us. There is something called cognitive dissonance. Now, I'm not trying to be a psychologist, but this, this whole concept fascinates me in light of this message. And I want you to listen carefully to it. It's defined like this. The state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. Cognitive dissonance is, dissonance is an uncomfortable feeling, this is a little paragraph written, caused by holding two contradictory ideas simultaneously. The ideas or cognitions in question may include attitudes and beliefs and also the awareness of one's behavior. So I'm thinking this, but I'm behaving this. The theory of cognitive dissonance proposes that people have a motivational drive to reduce dissonance by changing their attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors or by justifying or rationalizing their attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors. So I either have to decide and do this or I justify in my mind why I believe this, but I'm doing this. Is that the world we live in? Is that where you live? That's where I live. Can you know what's right and not do it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We do it all the time. And sometimes we do it in small ways and it's not sin. You say, I don't want to go to the store. I'm not going. Then you realize you need to go and you go. That's not a sin. You can change your mind. But that bleeds over into other things in our lives where there is truth, a line of truth that we now can justify walking away from that line of truth because of the circumstance I'm in. Well, I don't do this very often, but this is a situation that I've just got to do this. I have to, I have no choice. See what happens in our mind? So in light of that, concept, I really shouldn't, in light of that concept, I want to break this down for us on the back of your outline, four or five things that I want to say about brokenness of mind, brokenness of mind. Number one in your outline, if you're writing this down, just jot it down and think about it with me. Brokenness of mind starts with a pleasure first mindset. Brokenness of mind starts with the idea that I go straight for gratification. Pleasure first. Sacrifice later. Ephesians chapter 4. Now what I want you to do is just open your Bible to Ephesians 4 and just leave it open. Because I'm going to go verse by verse through the rest of this chapter, starting with verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. Now, he's talking about the godless Gentiles of Ephesus. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. 
They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their what minds and they've hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. How did they get that? Why don't they? Big question. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Interesting book called Positive Addictions. Some addictions can be positive, some can be negative. We almost always talk about, even the word itself, addiction, implies something negative. And I I think that's because 99% of addictions are negative. But there is such a thing as a positive addiction. The negative addiction in our life, let me just tell you its path. It starts with pleasure or gratification. That's where it starts first. Then it moves to pain. Because the pain of that addiction comes after the pleasure or the gratification. Then after the pain comes the destruction. That's why we try to get people out of addictive lifestyles is because it leads to destruction, but it doesn't start with destruction. It starts with pleasure. That's why it's tough for people to say no is because it's instant gratification. A positive addiction, interesting how this is, it starts with pain and moves toward pleasure. Have you ever tried to lose weight? Have you ever tried to work out more? You know, it's an interesting thing. If you say, I'm going to lose 10 pounds, you get on the treadmill. Man, you're going things. It's easy to start and hard to finish, right? Because it's painful. You get up the next morning and you're like, oh! And you get on the scale, nothing. So you're saying, I'm evaluating. My mind is saying, that really is not effective. Doing that really didn't help me. Am I going to do that again and get the same result? Some of you are like, yep, I know what you're talking about. If you stay at it and it's painful and you wrestle through it, suddenly there's pleasure when you get on the scale and you see the fruit of your work and discipline and effort and labor. And suddenly the clothes fit different and you're starting to have pleasure in the discipline that happens in our lives. And then it leads to real life change. Real life change. Why is addiction such a tough thing? I think it's probably because the pleasure first idea, that instant gratification, we tend to run to it because we're in a world that doesn't offer a lot of it. That's why people turn to a variety of things. Addictions comes, they come in all sizes, all shapes. It can be just the need for pleasure. That's why it's in place like drugs, um, alcohol, sexual addictions are huge. Instant gratification. Violence. Do you know that violence is becoming a huge addiction in our culture where someone just wants to beat someone up? There's an adrenaline rush and violence is a part of what they want. And it doesn't even matter who it is, young or old, they just want to conquer something. It's an addiction. Winning. You see right now gambling online has just become this huge addiction for people. And it's not just about the money, though that's a motivator. It's about beating someone. It's about being smarter than them. It's about winning and no more, knowing more than they know. There's, there's this something in us that really wants to win. It's why we feel good when the Broncos beat the Raiders. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Just kidding. Number two, brokenness of mind. 
Not only is pleasure first, but it can be healed by partnering with the Spirit. Now, it's the Spirit of God who can bring healing to our minds. And we need to pay attention to how this happens. Because it's not a slick formula. You do these four things and this is what happens. But there are concepts in this passage that I'm going to read that we almost could turn into a formula. And I want you to get it and I want you to think about it. Verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. In other words, the, all the lifestyle he was just talking about. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put, your, put on your new nature created to be like God. We don't become God's. But we clothe ourselves with God's righteousness and His holiness. When I sort of look at this passage, I see a lot of things. I see the first thing he says is you've got to throw off your old sinful nature. We all have a sinful nature. How do I throw it off? I must recognize that it is on first. Now, it's almost like if I, if I just have this... If this is my old sinful nature... The words that Paul uses here is this. I know you, and I'm throwing you off. I don't want you anymore. You don't belong in me. I belong to God. I'm not going to crave the things that you crave. I am going to be renewed in my mind. I am casting off. That term would be like throwing something overboard. I'm getting rid of it. Never to, never to have it again. I don't want it. Then he says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. There's this moment when I cast off the old that I have this renewal in my life that says, my mind is being renewed and I put on something new. What is it? What does the Bible say it is? Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature created in the righteousness of God. So now... I've taken off that old self and I put on this new nature. This does not belong to me. This will never be fully mine. It is God's. Guess what? Jesus paid the price on the cross for you to wear this. (laughs) Thank God. Because you can't do it without Him. How many of you know that? I can't do it without Him. Therefore, every day I look at my garment... I look at myself in the mirror and I say, you have God's righteousness upon you. You are being renewed in your mind. Take good care of this garment. But it's too hot to wear all morning, so sorry. (laughs) One side note, and I'll go to number three, is it's interesting that sometimes a broken mind cannot be healed until there's a broken spirit. I watch people who come to the end and then God begins to renew their mind. Why? Because they've come to the end of self. That's when your mind can be healed and renewed. As long as you think you can still fix everything, you're not broken enough. When you come to the place that you know that old nature is on you and that garment is taking you out, you can't do it. You're not going to change. But when you rip that old garment off of you and you humble yourself and you say, I need my mind to be renewed... That's when the power and presence of the Holy Spirit brings the righteousness of God and puts it into your life. Wow, I want that. 
want that. Number three, brokenness of mind is repaired through behavioral disciplines. Now, this gets tricky in the text, and I, I want to I make it really clear that Jesus paid the price, but there is a side, a part we have to participate in with Him. So, I, I almost call it the don't list. So, Paul's going to be real aggressive here. So, are you ready? Buckle your seatbelt and just realize he's coming after you. Okay? He's coming after me. This is the Scripture. This is what it says. This is about behavior. Verse 25. This is so like Paul, too. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. (laughs) I love Paul. Don't you? How would you like to have him as a dad? Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. It just sounds so easy. It sounds like he's just saying, stop it. Don't do that anymore. Let me ask you a question. Is it that easy? Is it possible that it might be? If I decide... Can I really decide? Because I really shouldn't. Or can I decide? No. What has to happen in me for me to be able to say no and not waver and run back to the donut life? It's something in our mind and our heart and our spirit. It's something of the nature of God that allows us the opportunity to have changes come so that the truth line matches the behavioral line. And I'm not living in two worlds. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with donuts. I plan on eating one later. Number four. Brokenness of mind needs a restoration of the conscience. A restoration of the conscience. Now, how do you restore your conscience and can you? Some say, I've read quite a bit on this this week. Some say once you violate your conscience so many times to such a degree it can never be restored. That you don't know truth and you will not live in reality. Psycho crimes and people who have issues wrong thinking, mental breakdowns. Verse 30. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Then He goes through some other things. Because of that, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words or slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. As I, as I read this over and over and over and over, I just kept going back to verse 30. I wrote it out. I wrote it out. I wrote it out. I felt like a, a fourth grade kid just writing this out. And it's just I just wanted it in my brain. It says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. 
I'm going to say it again, and I want you to just say it with me. So listen carefully. We'll do it twice. I'll say it once, then you say it with me. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Say it with me. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. There's a lot in there. Because when I realize I can bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit, there's something that touches my conscience in that. There's something that touches a part of me that I normally wouldn't go to. If it's just about me, I'll handle it. But if it wounds you, I should be more sensitive. If it wounds the Holy Spirit of God, I really don't want to do that. So I need to have right think, thinking my brokenness of mind needs a restoration of my conscience. What is it that you need to care about today that you just haven't cared about? What happens in your mind for it to be renewed? It's interesting to me that people who have a seared conscience rarely feel enough sorrow over their sin to actually start the healing process in their mind. They really don't care. Now, they may not want to get caught they, they may not want to be embarrassed again, but they really don't feel remorse to the degree that will help them stop the behavior. It's justified in their mind. They continue to do it over and over. That's brokenness of mind. And sometimes when it changes, it's when all is exposed and everything is laid out and there's the realization that I have no hope without God. How can we restore our conscience? I just want to propose three thoughts before we wrap this up with those final four tips for the week. And these aren't your outline, but I just this was kind of my list and I'm just throwing it in here because I felt like this is what I'm going to try to do. I want to restore my conscience, first of all, by having true humility and submission to God. I really believe the only way to restore my conscience before God is if I humble myself and I submit to God at every level of my life. Pride, ego, all the, all the perks, all the things that, that you're good at, you just set them aside and you say, God, I am nothing before you. Every gift you've given me is a gift from you, and I submit myself to your authority. I don't know how to do life. I want you to renew my mind that I might be grateful that I might live with gratitude, that I might understand the power of that. The second thing I try to do is, is live with hope and inspiration. When I, when I humble myself and I submit to God, then that next phase for me is to say, okay, God, thank you for inspiration. I need to be inspired toward the things of God. I can't just be led by a belt. You guys, one of the biggest problems we have in our culture is that people view God as the God of the belt. And He's beating you into submission. And He's chasing you around the room, just slapping you good. When in reality, it's God who's standing on the other side of the room with His arms open saying, Come to Me. Come to Me. Come to Me. There is hope in God's arms wide open. There is hope and inspiration in the fact that He knows Me and He loves Me more than anyone else. I don't get that about God, but I'm thankful. And then the last thing under that is just training my mind to live in reality. 
I don't want to believe a lie about you or me or anything else on this earth. I want to live with the reality of where I really am. I want to bring my thoughts into submission of God. When I am tempted to walk away from the truth line, and my behavior is over here somewhere, but the gap is not too clear to me, and I'm living over here, I want somehow to be able to say, God, show me how to train my mind to live in the truth reality, not the make-believe world. Because I'm not going to reach my goals. I'm not going to lose 10 pounds if I don't work out and if I don't change what I eat. I'm just not. So I want to be over here. And I don't want to kid myself anymore. Tips for the week. I'm going to go really quick through these because I want to pray together. So just get ready to kind of write them all down at once here. This is what I'm doing. For me, I'm just carrying a little thing around that that asks me these four things. Number one, monitor your self-talk. I believe... In order to have a healed mind, in order for me to to come out of my brokenness, I need to know what I'm saying to myself. So I would encourage you put a take a notepad, a three by five card around with you, and just just start start taking note of what you're saying to yourself. Man, I'm saying this to me. My mind keeps going back to this spot. I was saying that yesterday to me. I was saying that a week ago to me. And see what patterns you come up with. Number two, do something kind for someone else. See, what does that have to do with healing a broken mind? Everything. Because people who have a broken mind, life is all about them. It's constantly being consumed with what I want, what I need, why I'm doing this. Life revolves around me. And so when you break that cycle and you say, what are the needs of people around me? How can I inspire them? How can I bless them? How can I be generous to that? But what could I do to make a difference in their life? Not for me to feel good about me, but for them to make a difference in them. Number three. Measure the things you seem to care about. Well, how will I do that? I think you have patterns of thinking in your life that you could probably say one, two, three, four. You could probably list the top four things that you care most about in your life if you just watch it for the next week. And you you just monitor it to say, you know what, it was really important for me to be there. Why was that important and this wasn't? Look at how you make choices between this and this. And you'll start to see your priorities in your life. I think that's important because if those are not the priorities of God, then I'm thinking in a broken state. And the last one is be honest about the level of accountability in your life. Be honest about the level of accountability in your life. People say to me all the time, I just want more accountability in my life. I've learned almost now to say it still won't change you. Harder questions don't mean new behaviors. You know what brings new behaviors? A recognition of your need for God. To heal you. To heal your mind. To recognize where you're broken. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we humbly submit our lives to you. I, I come in a message like this and I just say, It's me, Lord. Renew me. Change me today. I don't want to be brokenness. I don't want to have brokenness in my mind. I want to be whole. I want to be restored to right thinking. Those of you in this room, you would just say, I'm not going to have you stand this weekend, but I think it's important for me to walk through two or three things. The first step is just to say, you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you say, well, I'm doing pretty good without Him, then I don't know how to help you. Because you can do better with Him. (laughs) I promise you. 
step out by faith and say, I need Christ. And pray this prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from the things that are wrong. Give me right thinking, biblical thinking, holy thinking. Let my behaviors line up with your truths. I accept you personally in my life as my Lord and Savior. Let this be the beginning point for me. Secondly, I want to pray over those of you that just acknowledge right now. And I'm not going to break it all down by if you're doing this and this and this. It could be terrible addictions. It could just be small things that you've said. It's not a big deal. It's just a little lie. It's not quite the truth. But whatever it is, you need a renewing of your mind. There's brokenness in your mind. Now, this is probably all of us have a little bit of brokenness. But I'm talking about some specific things that the Holy Spirit is talking with you about right now. And you know the areas you're living a lie. And God wants to meet you there today. He wants to help you. So don't be afraid to just lift your hand right now, please. I just want to pray over you. Lord, you see our hands, our hearts. You know where we're living. And I ask you now to let this be just that first step. Acknowledgement is that first step where we say, we trust you. We know that you can do this. We know that you care about this. Be with my brothers and sisters, God, in this moment. Lastly, how many of you would just say, I, I want my conscience to be restored. I'm, I sometimes don't really give a rip. And I know it's wrong, but I don't really care. And I, I want to be more sensitive to God than that with my life. How many of you would let me pray that over you? Just hold it up. Lord, it's pain, it's hardship, it's challenge, it's norms of our culture that sometimes pull us down to that kind of thinking. But we are the people of God. And we want to be the people who lead the way. Help our behaviors to come to that line of truth. As we walk out of here today, show us how to live that with the authority of God upon us. That our thoughts please you and glorify your name. In Jesus' name I ask it. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand with me please if you're able to do so today? God bless you. Wow. Some of you are living broken right now. It's a tough time in our culture. I want our prayer team, those of you that are here in both auditoriums, would you come right now and be available? Some of you might just need to come up here for two or three minutes and just say, would you pray for me this week? I'm facing this or I'm facing that. That's why these people gather up here. Let them just pray with you before you go and let it be a personal moment with you. Otherwise, I just want to have one final prayer today and it has to do with this. Lord, show us how our brokenness can be turned into something beautiful. There are many things that don't have value till they're broken. You know, if you crack an egg, if you like to eat eggs, that egg, that shell has to crack either for a new chick to be birthed or to eat that egg. But it's got to be broken before it has the value that it was born for. And I think sometimes that's how we are. We are broken, but that brokenness leads us into new levels of victory that God can use us. Lord, I pray that over us now as we walk out of this facility and into a world where brokenness is everywhere. Show us how. Show us how to be hope bearers, to be people of inspiration, to be people of open arms, to make a difference for the glory of God because we ourselves know brokenness and are healed in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for coming to Timberline. Come up here and let someone pray with you if you need that today. God bless. Go by the CD table, Daryl Evans and Brandon will be out there if you want to talk to them.